Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. So as I say, for the last few weeks, we've been on a series called Stress Less. And uh, one uh, kind of a um, quote that I just read this last week is, is this quote, Anxiety is like quicksand. The longer we are in it, the deeper we sink. That's just the reality of, of the stress that sometimes comes on us. And if you stay in your stress, you're going to sink. So you got to get out of it. So the first week we talked, we talked about declaring your dependence. Stop the foolishness of trying to figure it out on your own. And I know that uh, we live in a world where we just, uh, there's a lot of pride in our independence and the fact that we can do it all by myself. But come to your senses and declare your dependence on the one that is dependable, that is uh, Almighty God, man. And, and uh, if you missed that message, uh, it was from our, our uh, March 26th message. And then uh, last week, we talked about uh, focusing in the pit and how you have to change your mindset, that you have to press heavenward and say yes to Jesus in those things that are happening in your life. Saying yes to Jesus will help you to say no to other things in your life. And that is on our Spotify as well as our website uh, pages, and I would encourage you if you missed that message to go back and look at those, listen to those. But this week, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, finding victory in conflict. Um, I'm preaching on relationships, but really, if you if you uh, want me to be honest, preaching on relationships for one week, I mean, that doesn't do it justice because I could preach 52 weeks, I could preach an entire year on relationships and never uh, run out of content from the scriptures. I mean, uh, there's a famous phrase throughout the New Testament related to relationships, and it's a phrase that's quoted more than 56 times in just the New Testament, and here's what it is. It's that words, those two words, one another. So in in the, the, the Bible, it says to be at peace with one another, to don't grumble against one another, be of the same mind with one another, accept one another, confess sin one to another, uh, love one another, greet one another with a kiss, serve one another, regard one another as more important than yourselves, and stimulate yourselves, stimulate, excuse me, one another to love and good deeds. The Bible puts a focus on the vertical, our relationship with God, but it also has a significant focus on the horizontal. So today we're going to focus in on relationships, and I'm going to take just a few minutes to talk about that and how to find victory in conflict. And, and the reason is, is because conflict is a big part of our stress. Friday, well, this last week, was Valentine's, and it's the perfect time to talk about that relationship with your husband or your wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. But I'm not just talking about those kind of relationships. When I'm talking about relationships today, I'm talking about brothers and sisters, neighbors. I'm talking about bosses with their employees, renew crew, uh, volunteer leaders, working with other uh, team leaders, and so on and so forth. When I think back to when I think back to one of my very first experiences of relational stress, it had to have been when I was just a kid in middle school and watching my parents go through some very, very difficult days in, in, uh, in, in my uh, early uh, middle school years. They, they had uh, had some struggles in ministry. Uh, my dad was a, a missionary and then a, a, a a church planter and uh, even leader of a district and and uh, just had some challenges in that and sometimes um, 
the politics of, of ministry can get a little bit uh, overwhelming. And, and so they uh, stepped out of ministry, ne- never stepped out of their calling, never stopped serving the Lord or loving Jesus, but stepped out of ministry and kind of got into some other uh, lines of work, vocational ministry, I mean, uh, positions, vocational uh, occupations. And um, things things got tough for a while. When I was in sixth grade, I, I still remember uh, some of those days when my parents weren't sure how they were going to make ends meet. And, and that led to a lot of relational stress on my parents. But some 34 years later, I, I, maybe it's uh, 32 years later, something like that. My parents have been married 51 years. And man, I just want to report to you that God is faithful. And if you trust God in the midst of your difficult circumstances, he will see you through it if you'll put your faith in him. But the reality is, is that relational stress is a part of life. And it overflows into the rest of our life. Like everything that we do, it goes into that. Like relational stress, it just stinks. But if something stinks, what do you do with it? You put it in the big green can outside your house. You don't let any let it in the house anymore. We need to do the same thing with relational stress. Don't play around with it. I mean, Jesus speaks to this and he's very direct about it. He gets to the point really, really quick when this is what he says in Matthew chapter five. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So this this text is saying, if they have something against you, like shouldn't that say if they have something, if you have something against them, like um, that makes more sense. But if what Jesus is saying, and, and I know that the translators who've spent uh, hundreds of years making sure of the accuracy of the text and, and taking the Greek into the English languages, like they didn't make a mistake on this. If someone has a, a, a problem with you, then you're supposed to stop what you're doing, leave your gift and go to them. Like what I usually say to, to people that have something against me, if I'm honest, is, is that's your problem. Like I don't have any, I don't have a problem with you. You have something against me, that's your problem. I'm fine. But I think what Jesus is saying in this and, and the context maybe in our day and age is a little bit different than that time when they were bringing these like um, gifts to the altar, like uh, different kinds of offerings or grain offerings or whatever those things are. They said you leave those things and you go to the person that has something against you, you make reconciliation, and then you come back and you finish making your offering to God. Like in other words, for us today, like oftentimes our offering is, uh, well, obviously giving of your tithes and your offerings, but also our offering of praise, our worship. So if you're going to worship and all of a sudden you're reminded of a person that you have a problem with or that has a problem with you, you don't just worship through it. You don't just say, I'm going to power through this thing. No, if your coworker, spouse, son, daughter, boyfriend, anybody else 
if they have a problem with you, then what this text is saying is just to go to them, be reconciled, and then come back to worship. So you drove from Cutler Ridge or Cutler Bay. You drove from wherever you came from to be in church. You got yourself up. You packed the kids. You packed the car. And, and, and uh, the kids are now in, in RC Kids. And you finally get a moment of peace to kind of hear the word and just to be uh, focused in on what maybe God would be saying to you. And you hear this message. And all of a sudden you remember Jack and the problem that Jack has with you. And you're like, Trevor, you can't be talking to me. Trevor, you don't know Jack. You want me to pick up my kids. You want me to pack the car. You want me to leave church and you want me to go re make reconciliation with Jack. Is that what you're telling me to do? Honestly, that's not what I'm telling you to do. That's what the book of Matthew, who's quoting Jesus, is telling you to do. Because I didn't come up with this. I, I agree. This is, seems hard. But Jesus is that serious. Because that's how serious unresolved relationships can affect your life. This is the stress that you need to deal with. And Jesus says, pause your worship and do it now. If you want to reduce your stress, take this stuff serious. So what does reconciliation look like? What does it mean to make reconciliation. Well, the simplest definition that I found, this is a restoration of friendly relations. A restoration of friendly relations. And here's what Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul says about it in Romans 12 verses 9 to 19. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So I can't control what everybody else does. But as it is up to me, I'm not reading text anymore. That was the end of the passage. I need to do my part to let go and get the stress out. Like to make things wrong become right. Like he says here several different things that I want to just highlight for just a moment. Be devoted to one another in love. There's one of those one another statements. Honor one another above yourselves. Put people above you. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. And faithful in prayer. I mean, I could preach an entire message on patience and affliction, but that's the reality of sometimes our life. Uh, be faithful in prayer. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That's, I think, a, a, a fitting picture of what Jesus is saying. If they have something wrong against you, then go and try to make that right. Reconcile with them. Even bless them. Do not curse them. 
Second Corinthians chapter five is one other verse that Paul writes and, and he says in verse 17, therefore, and this is our key verse, this is renews kind of our theme verse, our life verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That was that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And he has committed to us this message of becoming new creations in Christ. This message of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. In other words, Christ was, he set the tone. He started the, 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 the process by doing that reconciling work in us. And then he says, now you're my ambassador. Now you're the one that's going to continue this work for me and you're going to continue to, to do this and you're going to help be reconcilers to others. So here's some application. The first thing that you have to know is, is that you have to focus on obedience. We focus on obedience and then let God handle the outcome. We have to focus on the obedience and only let God handle the outcome. Oftentimes what, what happens um, we're ready and waiting and saying, God, what is, what's going to happen if I do this? Well, no, when it comes to reconciliation, when it comes to making things right, um, that when someone has something against you, you just be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Number two is, is to we, ex that, that we extend grace and God gives healing. You know, that's again, why small groups are so important because there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel. There's, there's groups that meet throughout the city and all over. There's a brand new one that just started last week, a couples group, um, a small group that started at the Sanchez's house. I don't care what, where, where you're at or what you feel like, uh, you know, you're going through. These type of groups are places where you can connect with people and those people might be able to help get you through the most difficult time in your life. They might help you to experience the healing that you need. Like when you extend grace, Maybe grace that that person doesn't even deserve. God begins to heal them. But you know what God else, God, what, what else God does? God heals you. God begins to heal you. So why do I give grace? That may be the question. And the answer is, is because I need grace. Yes, grace was given to me, but also it's because I need that very same grace. Here's the third one. We seek reconciliation. And God provides the remedy. We can, we seek reconciliation and God provides the remedy. Don't wait on the remedy before you reconcile. Just do it and watch what happens. Just do, do the thing that God has called you to do. Go to that person, go to that neighbor, go to that coworker and make reconciliation and trust God for the remedy and see what happens. You see, there's power in apologies. We live in this world where nobody wants to apologize. 
Like, I'm going to give you a couple of examples, and, and uh, maybe you've heard these before, maybe you've used these before, but I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what is not an apology. Number one, I'm sorry you feel that way about me. <laughs> That's wrong. That's not an apology. That's a fake backwards reverse apology. I'm not, I'm sorry that you feel that way about me. That, that doesn't help them at all. You're not accepting any responsibility for any wrong in that. So it'd be better if you didn't do that at all. Here's another one. I have a bold personality and that's just the type of person I am. So I'm sorry you didn't like it. Like using the excuse that you're a dominant personality, which is a real thing, isn't enough for you to ex not have to extend grace to people. And it doesn't work, especially when there's a hurt or when there's a break in a relationship. Here's the third one. I'll apologize. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to apologize to that person. Right after they apologize to me, that's not an apology. That doesn't work. That's not the right heart or right spirit. It doesn't work. Maybe some of you remember the, uh, the, the old television sitcom, Happy Days. This guy, he was kind of the main character in the show. His name was Fonzie. But he was always the guy that like, he could never be wrong. Like, he couldn't even say the word. He'd be like, I was, he, he was meeting with Ralphie one time and he said, I was, what is that? Fonzie, what are you trying to say? And he's like, well, I'm, you know, what I did wasn't right. But I, I wasn't wrong he couldn't say it and then when it's time to say sorry it's like i'm hey you can imagine him putting his thumbs up the dude was way too cool to apologize but there's comes a time in life when if you want to truly experience a, a life of freedom and you want to reduce your stress then it's time that you would say it's my fault. It's time that you would say, I'm sorry. It's time that you would say, will you forgive me for the wrong that I've done against you? And last week, as I was writing this message and preparing for this message, I thought about my Jack. I thought about the person that when I, when I was thinking of you and, and, and you know some of you that might be saying, Trevor, you don't know Jack. You don't know the situation. You don't know what they've done. I thought about my Jack. And I had forgiven them. And I, I hadn't really been mad at them anymore. But if you would ask me, like, what do you think about that person? Well, I love them. They're like family. But... I hadn't forgotten some of the stuff that they did to me. And, and I also know that were, there were some things that I did, did to them. And I knew what Matthew 5 said because it was right on my heart. And it says, if they have something against me, regardless of if I have anything against them, as it is up to me, I need to go and I need to make this right. So I showed up to where I knew they were, unannounced, knocked on the door, and they were shocked, surprised. And I took just a minute, and I said, I, I just need a minute of your time. And I need you to forgive me 
for the part that I played in dividing our relationships, for the hurt that I've caused and the role that I played in creating any tension between us. I love you, care about you, I've known you too long and loved you too long for us to allow this to, to break us. And it was an amazing thing as I uh, was able to uh, hug several people and we prayed together. Let me tell you, it was hard, but it was definitely healing. So this week in your life, no matter what you're going through, I challenge you to go to that person, wherever they are, whatever they did, whatever you've done, and seek reconciliation. And just trust that God's going to take care of the rest, that, that God's going to provide the remedy. There is power in your apology. And it will make a difference. God bless you. Thanks a lot for tuning in to this uh, recorded broadcast of our um, our message. It's always better live, I promise you, because I uh, I engage with a, 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 an audience when people are are uh, um, when I'm when I'm not speaking just to my kitchen table. But uh, hey, thanks for listening in. God bless you guys. See you Sunday. Don't miss this next week as we continue in stress less. All right.